Yeah, I don't know that I'm the best person to answer this because I think at first in our marriage, Chad had some opinions like that, but he decided that he didn't really care. And I he decided that I cared a lot and that meant a lot to me. And he chose to not care, honestly. And I chose to be really happy when I got my way. And so that worked for us. Ooh, I wonder what that's about. Sounds kind of serious, doesn't it? Well, it's not. It's disagreement about hanging pictures. Yeah, but that's still very helpful. It's Michael and answering one of your questions because this episode of the Hopeology podcast is Q&A. Your questions, our answers, as best we can. Hi, I'm Gary, dad of Michael and Emily, together with our families, wives, husbands, kids, dogs, cats. We're a family of hopers. Hopeology is a movement, a quiet, gentle revolution of perspective and hope. At Hopeology, you find hope in the three areas where we're most often discouraged, our homes, our families, and our souls. And you can join the journey of hope at hopeology.com. In this episode, you ask, we answer any question. And we'll try to do this every once in a while. When you have questions, you can send yours to hopeology at gmail.com. Now, the first uh, 90 seconds here coming up is a family kind of annoying each other. Uh, Well, okay, it's dad being annoying. Okay, it's me being annoying. Because, well, I have, like, some radio experience, and I want volumes to be right so that it sounds good so that everybody's level is kind of the same and it's easier for you to listen to so it's sort of a standing inside joke with us at the start of every podcast that you don't usually get to hear that part of us talking about that okay let's go I sound like Brett Butler with pneumonia. Who? <laughs> Brett Butler. Michael, and by the way, last time when I told you to laugh and that the professionals move their microphones away when they get real loud. Yeah. You did that real good. I noticed you were doing it. <laughs> yeah, okay. it's like when the Barbara Streisand yeah. sings the love. You hit the high songs. note, you got to pull back or you will overload things. Hmm. All right, let's go. So what was your favorite meal memory as a child? You need to move closer. Oh now it's too much room <laughs> Oh, uh, just go ahead and kill me. Go ahead and kill me. Let's not worry about it. I guess I have to do it because I'm here with them. Yeah. (laughs) I'll take on that responsibility. If only I could. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. Meanwhile, John's in the next room hearing me with all my words. Worst. I'd rather him just Can he hear us or is he just here one side? Oh, I hate that when I think someone's overhearing it. Yes. Oh, if someone's listening to me, it's like, just stare at me. Right. Just come That's in right. and stare at me, but oh, don't have the decency yes. to look me in the <laughs> eye while you're judging me. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm a professional, and I don't, when people would walk by the studio window and just stand outside, it was like, just, just come in. Uh, just come in. Right. Just come in and be a part of it. Don't just, yeah. That's why I can't make a phone call if someone's in the house. <laughs> oh, When really? I like do things, I have to like go yeah. in the other room, lock the door, turn on the fan and talk real quiet under the blanket. <laughs> because I'm 12, evidently. <laughs> okay, so what was your favorite meal memory as a child? Well, there was that time. Oh, you're going to make something <laughs> up. It's going to have to do with an alien. <laughs> when Pop and Goldie, our grandparents, would take us to Florida, and all I would eat was hot dogs. And sometimes they would stop at a restaurant 
you were, we were like young teenagers, we were 12, 13, 14, that kind of thing. Sometimes we would stop at a restaurant and oh golly, if they didn't have hot dogs, I'd have to eat a hamburger or, and they thought it was fantastic. They'd say, let's get steak or seafood. And it was like, <laughs> and, but we'd always had, yeah, that was big time, right? Cause a sit down restaurant and everything, you know, cause that's all they had. <laughs> there was no drive through. <laughs> And you guys are bored. Are you bored with the story already? No, I'm trying to think of what my dumb okay. answer is going to well, be. Well, you're supposed to be paying attention to me. Okay. <laughs> then you can have yours. <laughs> That's the problem when you ask questions, right? Everyone's thinking It's the problem right. when you don't what, get to see the questions themselves. beforehand. Yeah, you're, you're trying to think what your answer is, and you don't hear what anyone else says. Okay. That's why going around the room is not a good idea. <laughs> going around the room. Let's right? go around. Let's just each have <laughs> isolation you share about yourself. <laughs> and you don't hear a word anyone says, and the whole purpose is defeated. Back to the trip to Florida. Howard Johnson's restaurants. I always looked for the Hojo's because they had hot dogs on toasted buttered buns. And it was the most awesome gourmet thing for me <laughs> when I was 12 and 13 I knew you were going to say old. gourmet. I was waiting for the word gourmet. There you go. That's mine. What's yours, Emily? Oh. See, Emily listened. She did, wasn't thinking of her own. Oh, she was enthralled by what I had to say. <laughs> enthralled. Uh, I'm really trying to think. What are you going to do if somebody asks like a serious question? <laughs> oh, they will. I've got them. Okay. <laughs> Just wondered. <laughs> it's okay. food. Listen, we well, don't here's all have the, to answer here's each the problem. Question. Okay, that's right. Good. I don't Yeah, well my life like food yours is easy. You ate like half, one and a half things that's when right. you were a kid. You're right. Mayonnaise and much, hot dogs. Yeah, no, uh, mayonnaise sandwiches. So you're on white bread with the crust cut off because that was too radical. Oh my gosh. So you're right. You're right. <laughs> radical. <laughs> Mine's easy. <laughs> so if, if you have a child who is you know, a picky eater, don't worry. They're going to be fine. Yep. Dad eats anchovies now. Yeah, anchovies. Oh, Everybody that's goes, true. oh, how can you do this? Like, oh, fantastic. Gourmet. <laughs> that is true, gourmet. Pizza gourmet. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't, it wasn't a memory. I mean, I think it was Grandparents' Day at Smith Elementary School. I think I went with Grandma and Grandpa once on Grandparents' Day as like a pre-kindergartner. Nice. Oh. And I was like... Turkey Manhattan. This is like I've heard tale of this <laughs> food, and <laughs> then I got Lord. to come and partake and, at the table and with the kids. It? it was delicious. It was like Thanksgiving. That's right. This with really... lots of carbo. It's like carbohydrate plate. Yeah, <laughs> bread, turkey, mashed potatoes. We always ate lunch at school, but both our kids always take their lunch now. Both of our all of our kids. Oh, all our kids take their lunch, yeah. and I remember having. Like the the cafeteria, you know, they'd start cooking the meal like early in the morning. Yes. And don't you remember that feeling of your stomach hurting so bad, being so hungry? And then I would smell that smell of the cafeteria. And it was like the best and worst. <laughs> so no. hungry as a kid, like starving oh, hungry. You were? I still really? remember that. Oh, yeah. I'm glad I, I didn't I mean, know it's that. not like I was like for real starving, but I just remember the feeling of being really hungry and then smelling the cafeteria food. <laughs> it was delicious. Wow, times have changed. <laughs> My favorite meal was mom's um, chicken and noodles. Oh, yeah. yeah. She hasn't made that in a while for no, me. She has for me. <laughs> <laughs> 
And it's always oh, better the second right. day, you know? Mom doesn't think so. Right. She doesn't oh. like for things to sit. And oh, no, second, second day, day was awesome. Yeah, she'd do all the leftovers. I'm sorry. She'd apologize. Le- no, no, no. It's fine, really. It's great. Next question. Well, we got a question from Stacy, and she said this. Michael Owen's post on Nesting Place last year about needing the creatives to say no was huge for me. And I saw a real shift in the way I approached my work after that. I'd like to know how you make decisions about demands on your time, especially the ones who could kind of go either way, ones that aren't an immediate yes or no. I find those are the ones, ones that I could kind of do and have no real reason to say no to are the hardest to say no to, even if they don't serve me. What are your thoughts? Oh. (laughs) Fastball (laughs) over the plate. (laughs) Okay, so Emily and I just talked, we just talked about this. We talked about this a lot. We did, but I'm not done talking about it because I still have questions about it. Right, okay. So so I I don't have anything to take, yes, I do. Something to take notes. Oh, I'm so sure. No, seriously. That's something I love to think about. And I was just telling Emily about a book I've been reading because someone emailed me and said, I really think you'll love this book, Essentialism by Greg McEwen, I think is how you say his name. You came over to our house the other day and you held it up into my face. I brought the book to mom and dad's. Yes. I put it on Instagram. I called Emily and told her about it. This book. And other people have said, like one I put on Instagram, I think Andrew Smith said, this book changed my life for real. It's so validating. Okay, so he talks about this very thing, Stacey, about how when something could go either way, because I do think that's the, it's easy to say no to something that's like, do you want to go to the moon next summer? No, I don't want to go to the moon. <laughs> you know, that's so easy. But it's the things that are on the fence that are incredibly difficult. And so, yeah, Emily, we just talked about this yesterday with the real decision. So one of the things that he says in the book is um, he compares having too many things on your plate or too many opportunities or decisions to when we have things in our closet. And one of the ways we're told to make decisions with stuff in our closet is to say, you know, well, when's the last time I wore this? Have I worn it in a year? Which is great and that works fine. But we tend to value things that we have Um, we put a higher value on those. And so instead of asking, you know, if I've worn this, if I should get rid of it, ask yourself, you know, if this were in a store right now, and I had my exact body, and it's fitting me the way it fits today, would I pay full price for it? Um, And if the question, if the answer is no, then you need to consider getting rid of it. And so to apply that to opportunities would be, if I saw this opportunity being this is how I think of it. He, he says it differently. But if I saw this opportunity being advertised somewhere, maybe like I went to some opportunity board that I don't even know if exists, would I apply for it? Would I fight for it? Would I try to make myself sound like I would be the best person to get this opportunity or whatever it is? And if I wouldn't, then it's probably not the best opportunity for me. And another thing I saw somewhere, there's a TED Talk called... Um, if it's not a hell yes, wait, if it's not a, yeah, if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. And I thought, even though there's like a wordy dirt in there, that's a great way to think about it too, because why don't I just do the things that are really fantastical, wonderful, I really want to do them instead of the things that I'm okay with. What was the real decision you were talking about? It was really a scheduling thing for me. Like I, and when you said when you said to me, um, you know, if it was a job out there, 
would you apply for it or not? Or would you like, what would you do to not just like, oh, sure, I'll try to get that job. But like, I really want that job. What would I do to get it? So this is like if people have offered you something and they've come to you, mm-hmm. think it, turn it around and think if I saw it, but no one really had approached me, would right. I really be interested? Would I exactly. And okay. here's here's okay. what I've learned about myself in the last 24 hours after that conversation is I have a really hard time teasing out my own desire from my idea of the my ex- expectations that are on me. So it's hard, f- like I still don't know the answer. I, I think, and I was telling Mike Willen that I admire her ability to sort of really know what she wants and doesn't want in some ways, because it's clear to her, like, would I want that? Yes, absolutely I would, or no, absolutely I wouldn't. I have way more maybe, or I have a lot more, um, I see lots of sides of everything. Like I see all the sides and in life that serves me well a lot of times. Um, and in relationships it serves me well because I feel like I can sort of see people's sides and I understand sometimes where people are coming from. But when it comes to making decisions, it's really difficult for me because I see all the sides and I see, well, it could be good for this reason or it could be bad for this reason. And it's hard for me to burrow down mm. to my act- my actual desire. When it comes to something that I can choose, you know, obviously there's things in life you, you just have to do no matter what. That's easy because you just have to do it. But when it comes to choosing, I just have a hard time sometimes. I'm still trying to, like I've even tried to make a list today. Just write down what you want. What do you <laughs> want? Just say, I want, and then whatever it is, if it relates to the kid's school next year, like what do you really want? Not what's best or what do you, what does everybody else think you should do, but just what do I really want? That doesn't mean I have to choose that right now, but just let's get down to the level of desire so that I can actually have some real thoughts about something. It's like when I go to a restaurant and there are all these decisions of all these really great foods. Sometimes I'm just look at John and I'm like, will you just pick for me? Because if I've never been here before, mm. I just don't want to regret choosing something I don't like. And then, so I just rather someone else pick and then I don't have to think about it. <laughs> so terrible. Can we delete this part out? <laughs> no. Well, the things you pick are like a class on what to pick next time. <laughs> oh. We like to think we can have it all, but I know Tish Oxenreiter, our friend who writes the Art of Simple blog, she says, um, she says that you can, or she's talking about how you can have it all, but you can't have it all at the same time. Or maybe she quoted someone else saying that. Um, and I think that's true. Like we can't have it all, but maybe not all in the same season of life at this exact same time. And so I think I just sometimes put a lot of pressure on myself to choose like the very best right thing. And really, I just need to be okay with choosing what feels right for now. And if it, doesn't feel right later that's okay I can change it years a couple years ago maybe it was a year ago I write I wrote a post about how I've sort of stopped praying for clarity like you know how we're always like I just pray they'll have clarity in this situation or whatever but I just I kind of realized that I sort of put clarity up on this pedestal as if like we all we don't get that like that's that's the opposite sometimes of faith and yeah that's great if sometimes it comes but I've sort of stopped asking for it because I think I I don't know, I just, I tend to sort of worship knowing <laughs> things and neat bows and clear paths. And I just don't think that's really life. I think that's like the opposite of the life that, what re- life really is. Um, but I still want it, <laughs> even though I just kind of stopped asking for it. <laughs> I listened to a podcast once with Jerry Seinfeld and Alec Baldwin on his podcast, Here's the Thing. And he was, in, you know, they were like going back and forth and talking about stuff, you know, like they do funny, funny, ha ha ha. And then Alec asked Jerry, he said, well, Jerry, you could have your own channel, the Jerry channel. 
um, you know, on TV. And Jerry Seinfeld said, yeah, but I didn't take that bait. And Alec Baldwin was like trying to get out of it. I'm like, but why not? You know, like, why didn't you? You could basically, you could have the world. Why don't you just take it, you know? And Jerry's response was, Jerry, like I know him, he's my friend. But his response was, he said, I've sat in all the chairs and I've been in all the rooms and I know what, I know what that is because most of it's not creative work. You're not reaching audience. You want to be on the water? How do you, and now I'm going to quote him. He said, how do you want to be on the water? Do you want to be on a yacht or do you want to be on a surfboard? I want to be on a surfboard. I don't want to deal with a yacht. That's a yacht. Some people say they want a yacht so they can say, see my yacht. And I think sometimes I, when we think about saying yes to things, it's like, oh, because I, it's a bigger thing and it's a bigger deal and this, this, this. But then you realize you're so far from the heart of what you really, really want to do. And it's the difference between sort of surfing on the water and being on a yacht. Thanks for your question, Stacy. Yeah, that's a good question. Here's another one. We need an update on Gary and Brenda's new old house because, dang, that last video looked scary, but I know it will be great. That's kind of specific to Hopologists, I guess, because you put a video. Tracy asked that question. Yeah, your new house, your new house that's old. That's new. She wants to know how the, an update on the house? I, I don't get it at all. That's the theme from Jaws. Get it? I'm still, Dramatic. I haven't, have we gotten to the punchline? That know. is the punchline. How's the house? The answer is, dunk, dunk, dung. <laughs> You're a cartoon. <laughs> Do you know what dunk, dunk, dung means? I get it. It's like uh, unfinished dunk, 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 and scary. And... Yeah. Okay, so we bought a house uh, that wasn't very big. And so it's a project that we're trying to do that we're going to live in. And it basically has tore the whole house up, except for the skeleton and the bones of the house. And it's in that stage where if you ever see those shows, those rehab shows, you know, where they go in and they tear everything up and then they build it and they make it beautiful in the end. Well, this one probably won't be beautiful in the end. And it's been in the, it's been in the tore up stage forever, it seems like. But actually, it's all it's like a picture of redemption. And you have this ugly thing that's been around for a long time. And you have a picture in your mind as soon as you walk in. You had, we had a picture in our mind. It's like, okay, all you, there's only, it's so small. There's only a couple choices. Make two bedrooms, one bedroom, and put the master bath in there. And uh, take this wall out between the kitchen and the living room. Okay, and then... Uh, open up the carport and make the carport like a room. And so you expand it and make it livable space. And then, you know, if you can make all the money work and everything, then it can be great. So it's that. And so then uh, we sold our uh, house that we were living in. So now we don't have a place to live. Except we do, because now we're living in uh, the office at Mike Willen's house behind the barn. There's an office that she has that's she's made so homey with a wood fireplace and we put an extra bed in there a desk that she says here's the desk where you're going to finish your book proposal so we're staying there so you're in the slow wait waiting for redemption here's here's one jill asks so Jill says, I would love to hear about transitions. I've got the idea from things that all three of your families are in times of transitions with jobs. I would love to hear how the Lord is working through all that. We're a ministry family and it's changing, some because of culture, some because of us, and some just because God's doing a new work. We married our oldest daughter. Our son is leaving for college in the fall. Lots of changes, good, but still. 
And then she adds, maybe this is too personal or maybe you're still trying to figure it all out and don't have a clear picture. Well, that's always the case. Um, But I loved Gary's honesty. She said, I love Gary's honesty about being in a new place on the last podcast. Hmm. So. Um, I don't know. I always think of it like it's a walk. It's like you're going for a walk with someone and they know where they're going but they don't tell you and you kind of know the rules you kind of know the rules you got kind of a rule in your conversation that they're not necessarily going to tell you everything that you're going and so it's based on your relationship with that person that you trust that person enough just to keep going with them and uh, that they know where they're going and they you know they're not going to lead you over some cliff and or run away and laugh <laughs> see you sucker for me when i I fret more over little things than I do big things. We've moved all over the place and changed jobs. I've never second-guessed a single one just because it'll work out. It'll work out. There's a big God, and I know that he loves me, and he'll make it work. When something is imposed upon me, I'm probably much better with it than if I have a choice, you know? (laughs) Right. Well, that goes back to the decision thing. It's like, oh, if I have to do that, sure. But if I get a choice, forget it. Some transitions with Jill's question are imposed on us sometimes, you know. It still comes down to, do you think do you think you're going to end up in some spot and your whole life is going to be wrecked and everything's going to be ruined and I'm ruining my kids' lives. There's going to be no going back, you know, as if there's no God. Chad and I have these people in our lives that have lived in the same house since they brought their babies home and their kids have never had to switch schools and her husband has had the exact same job and it's very secure and familiar and when you go over there you know what to expect and like they're my people that I'm like secretly jealous of because they don't have a lot of uh, from my definition they don't have a lot of transition Um, I'm sure they have stuff that in their lives that they're going through but sometimes I wish that we could because I, I feel like we have a lot of outward transition with jobs and moves and things like that. Sometimes I wish that we could be them and not have to have things change. But then sometimes I hear her talk and she wishes her husband would go after a different job or um, they could move to a different house. I don't know. I think sometimes you just appreciate the things you don't have. That's the other part of it, isn't it? You think a transition maybe is being a challenge or being stressful, but not having hardly any transitions and yeah, having things she be the same. That they had more. I wish we had it yeah. less. <laughs> for a long, having something be the same for a long time can really be stressful, also, and make you wonder, you know, because it can get old. It just can get. The guy that mentored me told me he said, "You can be somewhere too long." I'm like, well, how do you know when? How do you know when too long is? Can I call you and ask you? <laughs> no. The button on your some, back pops out like some, a turkey. <laughs> you wish. Yeah, it's funny how each thing comes with its own basket of trouble and also its own basket of gifts. And it's easy to compare like my basket of trouble to her basket of gifts. <laughs> yeah. But she's got her own basket of trouble. John, you know, he went to seminary and he got his MDiv and we got married a month after he graduated and he needed to get a job. And so he got a job in youth ministry because that's where it was hiring and started working. And his Master's of Divinity, he took one, he, in four years of seminary, he took one youth ministry course. So he did not go to, co- to, to graduate school to get to be a youth minister. But 12 years later, he was still in youth ministry. Um, and part of that is just 
because we felt like that was the right thing at the time. And I still think that it was. And he's also, though, his personality is very loyal and committed and he's going to see things through. And um, But I do think that, like you're talking about, you can be a place too long. I think if he would have stayed a year longer where we were, that would have been too long because it was time. It was just time to change. And a friend of ours, sort of a mentor friend of ours, has always told us, you know, when it comes to the next right thing, you're not going to miss it. I think that's always kind of has been my fear a little bit. Like, what if there's there's some right way of doing things or the best way of doing things and somehow I'm going to miss it? And I'm starting to learn that's not necessarily true. I don't know that I'll ever like totally feel like that's not true, but I think when I come down and really think about it, when I look back, like looking back, it's easier to see like, yeah, we didn't miss anything. Looking forward, that's a little bit more questionable sometimes. But <laughs> Plus, you know, if you think of something negative, transition would be scary. But if you have a positive view of things, you would think it would be exciting. And, I, you know, we have a default probably that of how we look at things. But you can choose also to some degree how you're going to look at things and be free and secure in it. Know that there's a net under you uh, and someone way bigger than you holds the net. That can, that can help you to really feel positive and go, let's have a little adventure here. That's what we're doing. One more question. This last question is kind of directed towards the nester. So Michael and these with her out. nester hat on. So, <laughs> <laughs> I had to go change clothes. The nester knows it doesn't have to be perfect to be beautiful, but Michael and questions that. Different um, so Suzanne asks, how do you work it out when you and your husband or person you live with have a totally different idea as rega- in regards to the end result about how something's supposed to look. Like she's talking about house and decorating stuff. And then she clarified, I mean, totally different. <laughs> and totally is in all caps, wow. just so you know. Like her example was, he thinks pictures should be hung really high and I think pictures should be hung really low. So it's like these types of things, like, like l- literal right. different ideas about how things ought to be done. And his ideas are strong. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know that I'm the best person to answer this because I think at first in our marriage, Chad had some opinions like that, but he decided that he didn't really care. And I he decided that I cared a lot and that meant a lot to me to have the pictures hung where I wanted. And he chose to not care, honestly. And I chose to be really happy when I got my way. And so that worked for us. That's a horrible answer. No, that's a great answer. I have I, a whole chapter in my book no, about this. No, it's not this. because yeah. I remember you taught you talked about how like if you want things done a certain way, you can't pout and pester. You can't be like, is pester a word? Did no, I just make that up? Pester's a, a word, right? It sounded weird when I said it. Anyway, about how you can't be like, oh, but I really want the wall painted, so I'm going to bug my husband to paint the wall. Right. You don't try to convince someone to do something that you want done your way you do it your way but if you have to involve them then you have to come to a consensus and so if I'm hanging the pictures like is he saying the pictures are too high because you asked him to hang them and he hung them high and and now he's like well they look fine that way I like them high or did you hang them and then he walked in and said you're ridiculous those aren't hung high enough do you know what I'm saying there's a difference maybe he just doesn't want to do more work (laughs) Because he had to hang the pictures and he thought they would look fine high because he's really tall. 
or maybe it's a non-issue and maybe you come to a there used to be a design show where they did like a his and hers thing and the guy would say all the things that he wanted and the girl would say all the things that she wanted and the end result was even better than what either one of them wanted because Hmm. the designer helped them find like the best match that went with both of them. So maybe instead of hanging your pictures low or high, you do a gallery wall because you have high pictures and low pictures. And that's genius. But if you want your pictures hung low, sometimes people answer a question because we ask them, but not because they have a deep opinion. So if I ask my husband, do I get the purple pillowcases or the pink ones? He might say purple, and then I get mad because I think that, well, my husband thinks we should have the purple. But he doesn't really care. Really, he just he's answered. just answering a question. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know the depths. So don't ask. <laughs> yeah. Gallery wall and don't ask questions. And also just, I think Chad is a smart man, and he learned a long time ago the kinds of things that make me happy. And being able to do the house the way I want makes me happy. But I also want him to like the house. So I want him to like it. Like when both people are trying to make sure the other person, I'm happier if he's happy. It can be a selfish thing in a way. We both kind of see it that way and, and it's worked out. And now he likes our house and I like our house. And everybody's happy. It makes me so happy. Uh, to connect with the Hopeologists and find encouragement for your home, your family, and your soul, visit Hopeology.com or write to us at Hopeology at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you.